Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Automata Podcast. I'm John Southurst from bitsonline.com, and with me is Daniel Corey from Pactum Capital. Hey there, Daniel. How's it going? It's going good, John, and hey, everybody. We're going to bring you all the latest news from the automated economy, which is blockchain, cryptocurrencies, digital assets, and the parts that hold it all together. So today, our guest is Connie Gallippi, who's the founder and executive director of BitGive, which is the, uh, the Bitcoin charitable organization and actually the first registered Bitcoin nonprofit back in uh, 2013, I believe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Welcome to the show, Connie. So uh, I think BitGive is um, one of the most enduring projects in the Bitcoin space. It's, um, I'd say it lasted a lot longer than some of the companies from that time. So could you tell <laughs> us a bit more about it and how you've, you've managed to stay so prominent for five years? Oh, wow. Well, thank you. First of all, it's great to be here. And um, yeah, we we have been around for quite some time. We established in 2013 and we received the um, IRS tax exemption in 2014. It took a little time to get that pushed through the system. but <laughs> um, And yeah, you're right. There are uh, quite a few uh, companies that have come and gone over the last five years, and we're still here. Um, you know, I think um, we've, we are a nonprofit, and so we've taken a very different approach to our work than say pretty much anything else I think in the industry. Um, and, you know, it's based on support from the industry and from donors and it's all about how to leverage the technology for, for nonprofits and charities. So we've run a really, really tight ship, <laughs> really, um, a shoestring budget for all these years and been hyper-focused on that mission. Um, so it's a, it's a very different approach I would say than, you know, investors and rounds and spinning out products and seeing how they, how they fly. <laughs> I would assume that you're much more focused on things like causes. Could you talk about what the, what I guess are the big causes that BitGive supports? Sure. So we, um, over the, over the past five years, we've kind of evolved, but in the, in the first few years, um, a lot of what we did was, um, outreach and education to mainstream like charity organizations and raising funds for, uh, mainstream organizations in Bitcoin. And, you know, back then that was kind of cutting edge stuff. <laughs> um, now it's kind of, you know, run of the mill, and um, we, we, do, we do focus generally in the public health and environment um, sectors, but we've pretty broadly defined those areas. Um, and that was a decision we made and when we established the organization in order to have some focus and not be too, um, too widespread as a, as a new organization. Um, and um, the last couple of years, we've we've grown up a little, and so has the industry, I think, um, as a whole, and the technology. So we um, decided to tackle something a little more difficult, and we've been uh, working on GiveTrack, which is a, a donation platform for tracking donors' funds to charities uh, towards projects. So that has been largely our focus over the last few years. And 
Um, we've been continued to work with some of the organizations that we already know um, well and have worked with in the past, uh, mainly the Water Project and Medic Mobile. So sticking with that sort of um, you know public health and environmental focus as well. Can I go back and ask a really basic question and uh, and say why did you choose to do all this with Bitcoin? So you you could have done the same sort of crowdfunding platform with regular currencies and getting regular donations. So why why did you go down the Bitcoin path? <laughs> well, so I I mean that was central to me starting this whole organization and it's central to our mission, right? We're we're mission-oriented Bitcoin and blockchain. So there are already a lot of crowdfunding sites out there. And I was already deep in a different career for 14 years doing environmental work. Um, so there, I didn't have necessarily any desire to create a, you know, crowdfunding site for charities. What, what really inspired me was the potential of the technology, right? And what it could do to revolutionize how we move funds, um, and ultimately driving more impact on the ground. So it was a really big, you know, exciting vision about revolutionizing philanthropy, um, which was very specific to using, using Bitcoin to do that. Connie, now looking at five years later, so to speak, there's all sorts of virtual currencies. Does BitGive... What's BitGive's policy on, on cryptocurrency donations? Like, what do you accept? What don't you, what don't you accept, I guess? Um, I guess is an interesting question. Yeah, I get this question a lot. Um, we still only work with just Bitcoin. So we've had in the past some other um, coins or organizations raise funds for us, and then they convert those into Bitcoin. Um, most recently, as uh, Zen Cash, they raised funds in Zen, but then transferred them into Bitcoin to contribute to BitGive. So we've kind of, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on out there and a lot of noise um, and a lot of ideas that may or may not happen and a lot of scams and just all sorts of things. So we very early on, um, like back in probably 2013 or 2014, um, made the decision as an organization to stick with Bitcoin um, and not really like we, we had a lot of people asking us about Dogecoin back then <laughs> um, and other kind of spinoffs. But the security is, is kind of the main issue. Um, and since then, like, gosh, all these ICOs and altcoins and gosh, only, only anyone could guess how many there are. Um, we don't really have the, the resources to keep up with all of that. So, um, we've just kind of stuck with Bitcoin. I think we may, you know, from time to time revisit this and who knows, you know, over time, if things may change where, we feel more comfortable um, and we're more resourced to deal with other coins. But for now, that's kind of where we're at. I have a follow-up to that. Then um, as you take Bitcoin donations in, are you 
Are you just holding Bitcoin? Because I would assume that most of the charities that you support, um, it's easier for them to use cash, correct? Right. Yeah. So the charities almost always will convert into cash. Um, interestingly enough, that's become very challenging lately, and we can talk about that. But, but yes, as a as a matter of practice, uh, typically, you know, they are um, mission oriented groups that have projects on the ground happening all the time. And so they convert into um, cash or fiat and go about their work. Um, we have a different model where we have a certain amount of um, cash flow, of course, in U.S. dollars for operations and expenses. But because we're a Bitcoin um, mission-oriented foundation, we actually hold a significant amount of our assets in Bitcoin. Could I ask you a little bit about uh, administration too? Because I think one of the main issues people have with nonprofits is the percentage of the donations they spend on uh, admin costs. So you're always trying to keep that at a minimum, I think. Um, what's your What's your policy on that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, um, so that's a pretty philosophical discussion that we could get into pretty deep. But um, to stay kind of on the service level, I would say that there is a movement called the overhead myth, um, to try to dis discourage this approach with nonprofits. Um, and, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Dan Pallotta, uh, but he sort of spearheaded this and did a great Ted talk on it. And it's now grown and is, is a, a big mission and initiative that's being pushed by the, the philanthropic industry in that, the focus on percentage of overhead is a very um, sort of uh, failure-inducing approach, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah, I can um, see that. Yeah, and that it's really about looking at results. And if a nonprofit is delivering results and impact in the way that they say they will and that donors wish to see – um, that it really shouldn't matter how much they spend on overhead. Um, and there's a lot of controversy around what you would consider overhead and do you consider your staff overhead and you know things that are vital to the mission and the results actually getting done um, are sometimes categorized as overhead or admin, but they're really direct costs to driving that result or that impact. So that's a very... Uh, quick discussion around that, but I, I would encourage you and, and your listeners actually to really learn more about this. And it's actually a, a lot of it is why we are starting to work on this tracking platform as well, because um, you can, with blockchain, actually see how much a charity is using um, and what they're using it for, which a lot of people say they want to see. Um, and I think it's, it's good for accountability, but it's for us, it's also a two pronged, um, goal that we are at the same time educating people about what it actually takes to do good work. And if they see, you know, a bunch of money going towards, you know, staff or whatever, but they also see the results that they want to see, that for them, that's an educational opportunity to understand, you know, what it really takes and, and what's important to get the results they want to see. So 
again, this is a big, much bigger discussion, but um, that's kind of the the overarching, um, I guess, uh, direction that we're trying to push the philanthropic sector and donors to understand better. Can you talk more about GiveTrack? I know you launched that relatively recently. Maybe you could just outline what what that's all about. Sure. Yeah, we were really excited. So we worked on this for the past year and a half, maybe even close to two years, and launched it at the end of October. And um, it's an, it's a minimum viable product, so it's very basic right now. Uh, but we're really excited to have something live and real that people can touch and feel and use. And the idea behind it is to have a way for nonprofits to raise funds, of course, but in a way that's that's transparent and accountable to their donors. Um, so you can, right now, our all our projects were already funded, so it's very exciting and successful, but there isn't one you could actually donate to at the moment. So, but when we had live projects that were fundraising, you could actually go to the site, it's givetrack.org, and contribute to a project and then track your donation on the blockchain as the charity moves it. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And then we also, just speaking about our previous uh, conversation about results, we also have um, a reporting mechanism for donors to receive updates on the projects that they contribute to um, as they're getting built or getting implemented and when they're completed. So it's not just kind of, you know, watching how money is spent, but it's seeing the actual results on the ground. So, um, so BitGive has always handpicked its campaigns that it raises funds for, is that right? It has, and that's largely been because, um, because we were so small as an organization that we had to pick one thing at a time and do it really well. And, um, and then move on to the next thing. Is the um, So is the ultimate goal to have something more like a crowdfunding platform where people can just put up anything and uh, you know, the, the crowd decides which ones are viable and which ones are not? Or do you prefer to, you know, to vet each one? Well, it'll probably be a hybrid just given the legal issues around this. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the idea is to obviously have a platform that will not just do the tracking and results reporting, but will allow us to scale. So we've we've always been, you know, kind of kept to a minimum based on our resources, and this allows us to scale and do a lot more. Um, but there are some legal constraints around, um, like our mission being uh, public health and environment focused, and then also. Um, you know, vetting organizations for um, legal compliance and things like that, and us making sure we're following all the rules we have to follow for, you know, international movement of funds and um, all kinds of things. But, <laughs> but yeah, so it'll be a hybrid where uh, lots of different organizations can post projects, but there will be some criteria and standards that have to be met in order for us to stay within, you know, legal constraints. You referred to some challenges that charitable organizations have in converting Bitcoin. Could you talk a little bit more about that? It sounded like you had a lot more to say on that subject. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So this has been a recent uh, change in the um, atmosphere of the industry 
um, which simultaneously came when a lot of philanthropic funds started flooding into uh, charities in Bitcoin. So it's been a very interesting past few months. Um, So essentially what we learned through by default and through sort of some really unfortunate circumstances um, is that uh, Coinbase has stopped accepting new charities as customers. Um, so they were a, a, a place that we would send a lot of charities for obviously for payment processing. Um, and we can't do that anymore. And then they also um, were not converting any anonymous donations. So some very significant amounts of funds got stuck there. Um And I believe that's still getting resolved even now, um, which is really unfortunate because um, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys probably heard of the Pineapple Fund. Um, It's this uh, elusive Bitcoin early adopter who is now donating tens of. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of money. And this all started to flow. And this person wishes to remain anonymous. So, um, it created a lot of excitement, but it also kind of highlighted some of these new issues that we weren't really aware of. Um, so right now, there's some significant limitations. We we are sending, um, thankfully, BitPay is still um, accepting new charities and um, is, is converting anonymous donations once they complete their KYC AML process. Um, so thankfully that's the case. And so we've basically been sending everyone to BitPay. Um, and they have some limitations that like certain states, they don't have licensing in and things like that. So it's not always a, you know, a straightforward process. Um, we've had a couple charities that have found loopholes through um, uh, working with Stripe, even though that's now shutting down. So an, a short-term solution, at least for Bitcoin. Um, and I started looking at GoCoin, um, as well, just to try to help charities be able to accept these really generous donations. Um, but without, you know, having to struggle so much with it. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's uh, anonymity and uh, the freedom to send money anywhere was always touted as Bitcoin's biggest benefit. But uh, you know, at the same time, we also need accountability and transparency when you're uh, when you're running campaigns like this. Right. Well, no, and I mean, we understand. You know, there are a lot of legal issues and constraints, and we have to follow a lot of this stuff too. You know, but um, but we have AML reports on the Pineapple Fund and. You know, I think they're up to like 44 charities that have accepted Bitcoin from them. So, I mean, clearly they've been cleared, you know. Um, So it's just it's a frustrating situation where there's still very few places that charities can go when someone wants to give them, you know, really large amounts of money. I mean, these donations range anywhere from 50,000 up to a million. Some of them are even five million. I mean, huge contributions that are that are game changers yeah i never realized it was uh, so huge actually do you um do you find that the uh the fortunes of bitgive tend to rise and fall with the bitcoin price as well you get some really generous donations when the price is high like last december and then it falls off again like uh, now <laughs> yeah it, it has 
kind of followed um, the price, but I wouldn't say entirely. Um, Like, for example, back when we uh, first got our IRS tax exemption in 2014, it was kind of a quiet time for the price, but everyone was super excited about us getting this this designation and being the first Bitcoin nonprofit. And um, we got we received a, a lot of support at that time. We did a founding donors campaign. So I think it just depends, you know, um, on what's happening at the time. And the price can be part of that, but it can also be other factors. How do you... How do you feel about, I guess, BitGive's standing in the industry? Do you feel that cryptocurrency investors want to, you know, donate a good amount of money to you? And do they have maybe some ideas of, of, of what they see the future of charitable giving to be on the blockchain, so to speak? That's a good question. Yeah, I think... Um... Well, as you all are both familiar with this industry and and the types of folks who make up this industry, there are a lot of different opinions. <laughs> um, too familiar sometimes. Yeah, everybody has their own spin on something, right? Um, but I would say that in general, there is a lot of support for um, demonstrating the, the the potential of this technology through uh, philanthropy and charity. Um, there's a lot of excitement about that because I think, uh, you know, a lot of the use cases and things that are happening aren't um, necessarily demonstrating the true potential of the technology. Um, and if, if there are some good ideas out there, they're not really working now in the real world. So we kind of offer both of those things and people get really, really excited about, about that. Um, and, um, I think also people are excited to, uh, elevate sort of the awareness of cryptocurrencies by donating and kind of making a splash with those kinds of, um, gestures and, um, getting some positive, you know, uh, press or at least awareness around cryptocurrencies um, through charity and, and philanthropic gestures. Can I also ask you a little about some of the other work you do, some of the, the non-Bitcoin related work that you do in uh, public health and um, conservation, that kind of thing? I think you're sure. with the California Urban Forest Council and Sierra Business Council, those ones? Yes. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm on the board for the California Urban Forest Council. I actually just termed out there after three years on their, on their board, but I'm continuing on as an advisor. And then similarly with the Sierra Business Council, I'm a volunteer slash advisor on policy. So how did you get into all that? Like what, what was your interest that led to, to you joining all of those? Well, that was actually my previous career. So <laughs> I was since 2000, um, working in the environmental career, um, in California. And, um, I had built up, you know, 14 years of experience working in a variety of different roles in that world. So when I started BitGive, um, that was kind of a whole new endeavor for me, but I, I still feel very strongly for, you know, environmental issues and the organizations and relationships that I had built. So, I remain involved in different ways as as time allows. <laughs> right. So um, what, what would be your dream project, do you think, from here on? Like something you haven't oh. done yet that maybe you'd like to come along and 
try out? Wow, that's a great question. Um, well, so two things. One would be the build out of GiveTrack, which has really long term um, exciting features that I would like to have as far as global um, mapping and visualization of the use of the platform. So over time, assuming we have, you know, lots of organizations and donors using this, we would be able to um, display that data in real time on a global um, sort of map dashboard where you could see where funds are coming from, where they're going to metrics and results in real time, um, be able to respond to, say, disaster relief, um, unexpected events, and also use the data to improve efficiencies across the board um, and um, eliminate compromised parties or pathways and things like that. So that's kind of the long-term vision for GiveTrack. Um, and then probably we'll pair these, but I don't quite know how at the, at the moment exactly, but is to be able to take the give directly model, um, which is only happening in Kenya right now, um, using the M-Pesa system, but it's essentially sending money directly to individuals. And of course it's through give directly. So there is an organization that is vetting who these individuals are, um, that's kind of necessary. But uh, with Bitcoin, this can be done uh, on, a, on a global scale once we're able to actually use digital currencies on the ground. So this is also like a you know, very long-term vision, but being able to you know, funnel the kinds of funds that we'll be raising and moving on the blockchain um, all the way to the end beneficiary on the ground would be super awesome. It's really taking, I guess, fundraising to a new level in terms of technology. Let me ask you, you've been doing this for many, many years now, being a cryptocurrency or Bitcoin-focused, I guess, charitable organization. If I was a charitable organization and came to you today, what advice would you give me uh, Like, if I wanted to start being a a Bitcoin charity? Well, a Bitcoin charity. So meaning like more like us where they're focused on the technology or more like um, working with Bitcoin, but they have their own mission. Working with Bitcoin. Okay. Yeah. So this is, <laughs> this is what happens every day. Um, and it's very challenging because like I mentioned earlier, the limitations of the services that are available right now are very real. Um, so the simplest act of trying to help a charity accept Bitcoin donations is extremely challenging today. Um, I wouldn't have said that six months ago, <laughs> um, which is sad because you would think we, we'd be moving forward um, as an industry, but that is true. Um, so we have a long way to go. We, we first need to address that. Um, but then I would say um, my next sort of goal, and this goes hand in hand with GiveTrack, is to help them feel more comfortable, not just converting it, but keeping it in Bitcoin and using it and tracking it on the blockchain um, 
as much as possible. So that's also a really big challenge when you really try to do it like today in the real world. Um, <laughs> it's not easy. Um, and ultimately there are also challenges of, you know, what, if we're able to get them to keep it in Bitcoin, track it on the blockchain, move it somewhere else in the world, then we have the challenge of how do they use it there? How do they convert it or use it on the ground, which is pretty much not happening anywhere. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of challenges. Um, you know, people like to talk about this, like, you know, it's easy and it should just be happening. Um, but you know, this is something I've been chipping away at and chipping away at working extremely hard for five years and there are still a pile of challenges. Um, and, and sometimes I will get pretty vocal, um, publicly about this because I'm frustrated, <laughs> you know, it's been a long time and as an industry, we should, we should be much further along than we are. And I have watched what's going on this whole time and where the energy, effort, money, investments, everything, talent, all of it is going is for first world money-making applications like exchanges and buying, selling, and trading. Um, it's just, it, we should be way beyond that by now. Yeah, no, I think I think that was what uh, I was getting at was just, you know, what are the frustrations? Because I'm sure a lot of charities see this crazy cryptocurrency stuff happening and they're like, well, how can how can we uh, how can we get involved? How can we how can we have it help our cause? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really answer your question. It just out outlines the realities of it. And, you know, one of the really limiting things is the money transmitting licensing and money services business licensing um, being based in the U.S. Uh, it's extremely limiting. And so unless we want to spend millions of dollars and years getting all of that licensing ourselves, which I feel is, you know, not only a bad decision, but inappropriate for a nonprofit, um, our alternative is to rely on the industry and the companies and services that have invested in providing those services and to be able to, you know, refer charities to those businesses and build on top of those services and integrate with them for our platform and all of that. Um, and it's a lot more challenging than you would think. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So it's not—it's never as easy as just slapping up the uh, QR code on your website, like some people seem to think. Hey, Connie, we're almost out of time here, but um, I just want to ask you one last thing before we go, and that's: uh, Are you optimistic that you're going to be able to solve these challenges, or do you think they're <laughs> going to be bugging us for ten years to come? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm always optimistic. Uh, I, you know, I continue to just keep plugging forward, and I think. That's mainly how I see my role, you know, in a lot of this um, as, you know, as the pioneer early on, but as the, the main sort of entity trying to make these things happen now in the real world with real charities and real projects. Um, the only way I think it's going to get resolved is if we keep pushing and we keep trying and we keep building 
the momentum and the demand and highlighting the challenges. Um, and also confronting, you know, people who have these big visions and, and seem to think that they're so easy to implement, um, with our real world, you know, experience of the challenges. Um, but it's hard as one person to do all of that. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I appreciate being on, on shows like yours and, you know, talking with press and going to events so that, you know, we can try to get the word out a little more about what's really going on. Oh, no worries. Come back anytime. Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> cool. All right. And um, so where can people find out more? I think everyone knows BitGive by now, but just in case they don't, what's the what's the website for that? Sure. Our website is bitgivefoundation.org and also GiveTrack is givetrack.org. So you can find us there. And then we're also on social media and Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and LinkedIn and all those fun things. Excellent. Thanks. And highly recommended too. Okay, you've been listening hey. to Automata with John Southurst, Daniel Corey, and Connie Gallippi. Thanks, Connie. Thank you. So for all the latest crypto and tech news, check out uh, bitsonline.com. And uh, Daniel, my co-host, is the co-founder and CEO of Pactum Capital, which is a cryptocurrency derivatives firm. You can find that at pactumcapital.com. Right, uh, Daniel and I will be back soon with another report from the crypto economy. And always remember this, the future is automated. See you next time. Bye-bye.